Hey everyone, welcome to the Boredom Breaker Podcast. That's right, here at the Boredom Breaker Podcast, we are an octave higher than we need to be, an octave lower than we want to be, and only slightly out of tune. So welcome, we have our friends Ian Porter, Tanner Dean, and Jeremy Bushnell, or you can call me Jerome, I don't really care. Um, how was your guys' week? What do you want to talk about? My week was okay. It was a slow week. It's like week before Christmas break kind of week. Yeah. Merry Christmas to all our listeners in case you're listening to this on or near the 25th of December. Yeah, it's that time. Yeah. Uh, it was really slow at my work too. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I sell cars and uh, people got other things going on before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You did mention that because I mentioned how the Satan in the garden was such a sly talker and I compared him to a used car salesman. <laughs> and you told me not to do that. <laughs> yes, he's very, very offensive to me. I know. <laughs> so you don't typically see a lot of people Christmas shopping at your, uh, your workplace then? No. <laughs> no, I think uh, most people, well, then all the tax season's right around the corner, so yeah. most people are oh. like, yeah, I'll have a big down payment in like a month or two. So, yeah. yeah. Good enough. Well, Ian, I think you're going to be introducing the topic for this week, and and then we'll see how kind of how the conversation goes. Uh, I've already, I've got a couple of quotes handy, but I want you to dive in first. Definitely. Well, I'm going to make a statement first, and then I want to let you guys reply to it. Um, <clears throat> I don't believe that converting people to Christianity is the number one goal of being a Christian. All right. What do you guys think about that statement? I would first ask, what do you mean by converting people to Christianity? And I think in general, I know what you mean, but I would ask for the details just because with that kind of a blanket statement, I would actually disagree with it because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, he said that he had all authority in heaven and on earth. And he said, uh, you know, so in that sense, I would say, well, no, it's Jesus himself said, this is what I want you to do. Go make disciples of all nations. Um, so it was a priority for Jesus. Now, because I asked for clarification, that kind of a blanket statement or, or taking that biblical passage and saying and applying it to that, you may have reason for me to, to see it your way in, in that. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, the way we approach people isn't all about conversion. The way we interact with people isn't all about conversion. Um, so, so that would be my first response. And you can respond to that, Ian, unless we want to give Tanner a, a chance to respond to your first statement. Yeah. Um, well, let, let, yeah, I guess let me reply one at a time. Um, so my first thought on that is that that verse you quoted, go into all people. Um, I believe he is talking to his disciples at that time the 12. Um, I could be wrong. I might, I may need to do a little research on that, but that's my understanding of it is that he's not talking to us as a Christian group. He's talking to those people. Um, so that, that was the way I understood it. Um, and then remind me, what was the next thing you said after that? Oh, the, the clarification. So, um, no, you're, you're right. I, I don't, I, I think that is what I'm saying. I don't believe that, um, you know, my, my whole goal is to be going out and speak every single person I speak to. Oh, I need to be 
preaching the gospel with this person and working towards getting them to to see Jesus the way I see Jesus and and all this stuff and um so really and growing up in church nobody ever said that directly to me but that is the feeling I got a lot of the time is that evangelism going out and preaching the gospel to every person I see is what I should be doing um and yeah, I've just come to an understanding that I don't, I don't think that's true. Hmm. And Tanner, please interrupt as any time you want to, because uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep going, and I'm, I'm sure Ian would keep going. I, I would, I would think, um, yes, Jesus was primarily speaking to his disciples at the time, um, but if you go to passages like John chapter 17, Jesus was praying for his followers. And then also he, he said, I, I pray not just for these, but also for those who will come to know me through their message. And if you go to Romans 10, verse 14, or 14 through, through 15, it says, How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So, and actually, I'm going to back myself, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up and, and maybe agree with you more in this. Because Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 both talk about the different spiritual gifts and how we are all different parts of one body. So I would actually say that you're right, Ian. Whatever we thought growing up in church, not all of us are gifted with evangelism. Um, Tanner might have a better time going and standing on the street corner and shouting from God's word. And when I say shouting, I don't mean angrily. I just mean proclaiming. I, this this is the word of the Lord, and and proclaim. Yeah, proclaiming. Then then I might maybe I'm a lot more shy and I don't like um, public speaking. And, and I just want to help out in, um, in service, like hands-on service ministry. Like, let's, let's put together these food packages for the needy. So I, I'm going to finish with, with this point. I think in 21st century America, we have individualized so much that we've even individualized Christian life. How we tried to, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, last week, how we try to make the Bible so much about us as individuals. But the church the the first century New Testament church, which was made up of Jews and Gentiles, was a group movement. There, Paul even says there are some who are called to be evangelists, some who are called to be apostles, some who are called to be teachers. And he talks about the gifts. If you have the gift of encouragement, then give encouragement. If you have the gift of generous giving, then give generously. I mean, I don't have the money or resources to say, here, 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 please take. I wish I did, and I would love to give more when I could, Lord willing. But God gives us specific gifts to use in the context of um, togetherness, of community. That so, And I know I said I was going to wrap this up. So to respond to your point, Ian, yes, the church's mission is to extend the kingdom of God on the earth. Now, what does that look like for the individual? It may look different. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to beat you up with, with conversion therapy or I want you to convert to Christ. So the, the church's mission, yes. The individual's mission, what does that look like? 
I'm glad you said that because you made my next point for me um, <laughs> about the different spiritual gifts. And I, I agree with you. I don't think everybody has the gift, uh, the spiritual gift of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me personally, stuff like that's pretty uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't necessarily want to go stand out on that street corner and do that. Um, <clears throat> and so what do you think of this? Um, there's probably more than this, but there's a couple of times in the Bible where Jesus himself doesn't necessarily seem all that interested in converting people. Um, a couple of times I'm thinking of are um, where the man comes up to him in uh, Mark 10, and uh, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. <clears throat> That's where he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know these commandments. And then he says, teacher, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And then he said, Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And to this, of course, we all know the, the well, maybe we don't all know. I apologize. Um, the man, uh, his face fell. He got sad because he had great wealth and he walked away and Jesus didn't stop him. You know, he wasn't, uh, Jesus wasn't like, no, no, wait, I don't think you understood me. No, he, he wasn't really concerned that if the guy understood him or not, he told him what he had to do and they let him walk. And so what, what would you I have another example too, but what would you think of, of that statement that Jesus himself doesn't necessarily seem, um, now, and, I do want to clarify, I don't think that the gift of evangelism is a bad thing. Obviously, it's a gift, and I don't think it's bad to go share the gospel, and I don't think it's bad to try to do those things. But um, I guess my, my main point with that is saying that it's not everyone's number one job. So back, back to my question is, what do you think of that point of view of Jesus didn't necessarily seem that interested in converting this man? So this, I mean, this whole thing for me, I... I immediately think of, of Jesus' parable about, about scattering seeds on the road. You know, some of it, some of it lands on the rocks and it gets scorched. Some of it lands in the thorns, you know. So, so going back to the first point, I do think it's our job to scatter the seed, to plant the seed, you know. Um, whatever happens with it, that, that's up to God. We, mm-hmm. we can present them the gospel in any, any level of depth, but no matter what we try to do, no matter what gift we have, it's not going to change their heart. And I would say that, you know, to, to bring that into your second point, that that could be a situation where, where, you know, where God knows the heart of the individual. For So Pharaoh, for instance, in, in Egypt, you know, God hardened his heart. Why? Because he knew Pharaoh, you know, was going to be the way he was, he knew exactly what he was going to do, how he felt. He knew everything about his heart. So he'd let him continue to harden his heart. And I think that's kind of, I, I would think that Jesus, on a degree, whether diviner or um, human, knew that he probably wasn't going to sell all of his possessions. <laughs> and so him telling him that, he, he told him what he needed to do, and he was given the opportunity, but at the same time, you know, uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, 
Um, and we talked about, about that a little bit last week, too, hardening Pharaoh's heart. And uh, we'll bring it up again. You already did bring it up again. I think that'd be a fun opportunity. One of these days, we'll have to talk about free will and what God does in our lives versus what he allows us to do as, as individuals, as, as free individuals. But I, I think that's exactly to the point of um, Jesus. Ian, to your question of why did Jesus not bother to pursue this young rich man more? Like, oh, no, no, listen up here, rich man. I really want you to get into the kingdom. You're on the right path. You know, you lack a little bit. Come on, we can work on this. Because if if Jesus knew this man's heart, or at least, again, that, that balance of, of God being the... Jesus, Jesus never stopped being the divine son of God. He was always the second person of the Trinity. That never stopped. He took on humanity, took on flesh. So in that... Plus, what was the rich young man's response? Oh, I've already kept all these commandments my whole life. Come on. Mm. We don't have to be Jesus to know that that's not true. Like right. We also talked a bit last week about how children don't need to be taught how to steal from one another and don't need to, taught how to be taught how to be disobedient to their parents. Yeah. However good this rich young man was, he wasn't good enough to, what did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? Nobody is good except for God. So, Ian, I think you're right. Jesus didn't bother with, no, 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 listen up here. I've got a really good idea on how to get you into the kingdom. Um, and then like Tanner said, well, hold hold on. You know, I'm really good at throwing seed and I trust the father to, to make it grow. Somebody else, it, I think it's in one of the second Corinthians, one of the Corinthians, Paul is saying, you know, I planted seed, Apollos watered the seed, but it's God who causes the growth, right? Right. So Ian, this is, I guess this is my next answer to your question. I know I've got multiple answers, but this one is... <laughs> Yes, it is our job to work the soil and or plant a seed and or water the seed. Is it our job to struggle and sweat and pull and twist and say, you must turn to Christ? Mm. No, it is our job to say, repent for the kingdom is at hand or say Acts chapter 17, where, where Paul is saying that God commands that all men everywhere repent. Like, but... Like you guys have both already said, whatever the results are, I don't have to stress over it. That's right. that's up to God. Like, God bless you. I love you. I have presented you with the gospel. Um, and now, <laughs> however you respond, God's either going to harden your heart or God's going to soften your heart. He's either going to draw you to repentance or you are going to um, receive the just condemnation for your hatred towards God. I know that's a harsh way of phrasing it, but... Maybe maybe respond to that or, or, or transition again. Because I, I just got done saying that God will either soften someone's heart and draw them to repentance or he will harden their heart and they will receive the just condemnation for their, for their sins. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, well, and I, I agree with you there. I don't know that it happens. I don't know if it's one or the other all like forever necessarily like if if someone's heart's hardened now that doesn't mean it can't be softened later right right Absolutely. i agree yeah. clarifying. yep mm-hmm. but um yeah i think i think we're on the same page and to put it into maybe a modern a modern way so <clears throat> at my work i don't think i've ever necessarily i wouldn't say i've ever out overtly preached the gospel to any of my coworkers, but Everyone at my work knows I'm a Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that I'm going to try to do my best to treat them well and, and you know, be 
you know, uh, basically, the Bible does say they'll know we're Christians by our love. And so I try my best to love everybody I can, but I've never preached to anyone before. And mm-hmm. they're all aware of it. And is that eventually going to end in someone seeing the way I live and um, changing their ways? I don't know. Maybe. It's not. Again, it's not up to me. Um, but I, I think that's that's the difference. Um, just just making that known and like you know I'm not hiding anything, mm-hmm. but I'm not also I'm not beating anyone over the head with the Bible. I mean I work with with several people um, who, in fact, a few of them. I know outright hate Christianity, but um, I don't get the feeling that any of them hate me. And everybody's aware of it. I'm not like again. I'm not keeping it a secret. Mm-hmm. But I think I guess that's what I that's what I mean is that uh, um, I don't need to be going out and doing that. I just need to show people the way that I live and the way that I am content yeah. with my life. And, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll see the peace that I'm trying to exude and be attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's... Oh, were you going to say something? I was, but go ahead. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to say, I think that's... I was just listening to a lesson yesterday, in fact, about... Someone was kind of describing, like, the hard line between, like, witnessing and evangelizing. And, and I kind of disagreed with that because I think it's kind of a gradient, hmm. you know, where you have, you have your witness and, and that's what, just what people see. And, you know, even just talking about, like, someone being a blessing, you know, that, oh, that woman who bought me coffee the other day, mm-hmm. um, who was a complete stranger just because it was Christmas time or whatever, you know, yeah. um, showing, like, a thankfulness that, that already, you know, sort of displays that love when, when, when you talk about, you know, blessings. And then, like I said, there's a certain gradient to it, and you can go more in depth, and I think that leads to evangelism. But I think, like in in your case, Ian, like that. That's already a tie-in, just by the way you're living out your faith is is just as a witness. I would make a couple of points, and I think we're all still on the same page. It um, I just would want to say that we can't get too comfortable with saying, "Well, I'm living this life. I'm living this life. I'm living this life." People should be able to see by the way I live that we need to eventually. Not, I don't want to say eventually. We need to, when the opportunity is right, cross the line of saying I'm just living this life to now I'm willing to speak the truth of love or I'm willing to say what needs to be said. Sure. And my yeah. example for that is in, in 1 Peter um, 3, the 15 through section where it says, um, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you. That word defense there is apologia where we get our word apologetics and... Um, but in that context later on, or previously in that passage, Peter is talking about the kind of life that we should live. So, and again, I want to go back to these letters that Paul and Peter and the New Testament was written. These letters were not written to an individual with the exception of, you know, Titus and Philemon and, you know, and Timothy and whatnot. But sure. otherwise, it's talking to a group. It's talking to a congregation. And so we do need to live in such a way that people will be drawn to that. But then when they question it, we should have the right response. Um, My second reason for saying that is an atheist can be nice and buy you a coffee. Uh, A Buddhist can be nice and and do great things for you. Like Christians don't have a monopoly on doing (laughs) nice things for others. Right. What Christians have is... Um, the grace of God, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, um, 
salvation in Christ. And these are things that others do need. And if, if in the way that we live, we can draw others to that, then that is, um, that is a catalyst for that. So I do, oh, and then the last point I wanted to make is witness. We talked about witness. Um, the word witness in the New Testament is actually translated from the Greek martus, which is this, where we get our word martyr. Mm. And we always say that we're ready to be a witness for Christ, but how many of us are ready to be martyrs for Christ? Because we almost separate those words. Well, a witness is one who's willing to speak up on Christ's behalf, and a martyr is one who died for the gospel. Well, the word in its origin, it's the word that we use, the New Testament uses for witness is a word that we use for martyrs. So all of these New Testament witnesses had already presupposed that their lives were, that they were already dead to sin, dead to, dead to selves and alive in Christ. So that could be a part of it as well. Not, not just showing a life that is inviting, but also showing a life that is dead, dead to self. Well, and can I, can I clarify what I said real quick? Oh, absolutely. Um, when, when I kind of talk about like a gradient, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with with depth of, of, of what you're getting at, you know, if mm -hmm. I'm just, and, and I think that would be like, for instance, the example that didn't happen to me, but like, that would be an example of something that's just really shallow and really base, you know, oh, sure. fairly baseless where, you know, once you get more into the evangelizing, you know, and, and you get, you know, as, as opportunities arise, like you said, that's when you get into, into the real deep conversations of like, you know, about Hey, what what do you think about death and mm. and things like that? So, anyway, that was yeah. I was I was thinking of a very shallow example. It wasn't a great one, but no, no, that's good. The, the point I think your point is perfect anyway because it could be something as simple as coffee, buying coffee from someone. You know, who cares how simple it is if it draws somebody in to to talk about Jesus and you've already mm -hmm. won, even yeah. if all you're doing is planting a seed. Ian, yeah, well, and and um, I wanted to clarify something I said earlier too. Or some just in a general sense, um, I I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying like, oh, you should live like me. I'm the best. No, <laughs> I, I I I'm a crappy person, just like you, just like everybody else. I am not saying that I am out there Libyan Jesus. You know, I try my yeah. best, but I, I'm I I fail all day every day. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, so I, I definitely want. I don't. I hate when people are like, "Oh, live like me." <laughs> Look what um, I did this week. Oh, Paul said that though. Right? He, Paul Paul said to. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I, I did interrupt you again, but but that was something Paul had the boldness to say. You know, mimic me in this way. But anyway, I'm not comparing myself to Paul either. I, I agree with you. I, I'm crappy. I get it wrong all the yeah. time, but. We are being renewed in Christ. So anyway, I'm I'm done. <laughs> Absolutely, Jared. Uh, can you give your your first quote you were going to give? Yeah. So it's by the band Emery, um, and the song is "Listening to Freddie Mercury." And before I give the quote, Freddie Mercury, for those of you who don't know, which if you don't know, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> Freddie Mercury was a lead singer for the band um, Queen. Queen, right? So, and then he also was a homosexual, and he ended up dying of AIDS. So you know, it's all of that to say. So this Emery song is listening to Freddie, Freddie Mercury, and it's kind of talking about, like, are Christians allowed to listen to Freddie Mercury? Are we bad people? Are we bad Christians if we listen to that kind of music? But the quote is, um, we are all the same people with sinning hearts that make us equal. Here's my hand, not words said desperately. It's not our job to make anyone believe. 
beautiful. Side note, Emery's probably the best band ever. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll debate that on another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th them and the classic crime, two best. Oh. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I guess the, the, maybe this is a whole separate point, I'm not sure, but um, one of the points I wanted to make is that um, we as Christians are not better than anyone mm -mm. and I every single person on the entire earth in the entire history of the earth is just as bad as everybody else now if that wasn't true we wouldn't need Jesus um, and so you know no I've never murdered anyone but I've hated people mm -hmm. um, you know I, I've never uh, that, that's that's one thing I love about Jesus is he comes in and he makes he evens out the playing field. Right. Yeah. Um, he says um, nobody's good. In fact, in Romans three, um, <clears throat> again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he goes, "What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage at all? For we already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are all alike the power of sin, as it is written, is no one righteous, not even one." There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And it continues to go. It gets even pretty darker than that. But um, uh, basically, I believe the point is that me as a Christian is no different than Johnny the Atheist over here. It's just that um, <clears throat> I've been saved by Jesus. That's it. And it wasn't me at all. Mm -hmm. I guess that, that, that's my point: is that we're all we're all the same. It's everyone's equally as sick. It's just who has the cure. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, you want me to read my second quote? Sure. Okay. So this is by Dr. James White from his um, his book, The Forgotten Trinity, which I so far recommend. I haven't finished reading it, but I, I really like what I have read so far. Um, and I'll make this point. Uh, he he even says in the book, in the intro, that his point isn't to give a real deep theological perspective on the Trinity. His goal is to make the Trinity understandable in such a way that we can love God more through knowing the Trinity, the triune God. So it's, it's not so much a deep theological book as it is a, a conversational um, relational book. So I, I like that. But anyway, he said, a person who speaks God's truth from conviction and love does so far more convincingly, convincingly than the person who lacks such motivations. So even in that, you know, the, the whole idea of it, it's not our job to make anyone believe, but it is our job to speak God's truth in a convincing way not now I say convincing way I'm quoting Dr. White I'm not saying we have to convince them I'm saying do I have the love and do I have the conviction to show that what I'm saying I'm passionate about and what I'm saying I can I can back up with what I know is true mm -hmm. and not just um honk if you love Jesus or <laughs> or no Jesus no peace no Jesus no peace you know like those little those little whimsical christian -y sayings that have gotten us in such a plastic type christianity of yeah you know, but but no but to be sincere and say dude 
Jesus is real. This is what he's done in my life. And I can back up what the scriptures say, and I can back up, you know, what's true in philosophy and science and history, etc. Um, and then at the end of the day, hey, you're not convinced. Well, okay, God is working on you in his timing and in his way. And if you don't want to be convinced yet, then that's between you and God. Yeah, and um, we're butting up against our time limit, but yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> there were people in the Bible that Jesus literally performed miracles in front of. Yeah. Who still didn't believe. Yeah. Yeah. So who am I? What can I do to make people believe? All right. And that's a great point. Even in that, so the the parable of the rich man and Lazarus or the story of the rich man and Lazarus, I think I can, there might be a little debate as to not whether or not Jesus is telling a, a true story or a parable. But he references in there that this, this rich man is in hell and he's complaining to Lazarus who's in um, Abraham's bosom saying, hey, give me a drop of water, please. And hey, warn my brothers. I don't want my brothers to be here with me. I want my brothers to be where you are. And basically he says, well, what difference is it going to make if somebody comes back from the dead? If they already have Moses and the scriptures. If they're not going to believe my testimony based on Moses and the scriptures, they're not going to believe when someone rises from the dead. And what happens? Jesus <laughs> was crucified, <laughs> rose from the dead on the third day, and people still rejected him. So um, that's a great point, Ian. That doesn't matter what kind of, And that's a, a lot of times that's an atheist, you know, kind of an, an apologetic for an atheist is, well, if Jesus were to come down right now and and show himself to me, then I would believe. But until then, there's no evidence for Christianity. Well, no, you, well, just, no, you wouldn't. Yep. <laughs> Jesus already said you wouldn't, so why should we trust you when Jesus already proved his point in that mir <laughs> miracles really aren't that fascinating to some people? No, they, they don't want miracles. Mm -hmm. They just want autonomy. They want to rule their own lives. Yep. Which we were guilty of, too, before Christ saved us, so... Absolutely. Yep. We're at a 30-minute mark, Ian. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. We'll catch you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, if you weren't bored, please share. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Only I, if you weren't bored. <laughs> Only if you weren't bored. If you were bored, <laughs> hang up and never listen again. Until yep, next week. Exactly. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> Bye.